Hey, uh, it's really good to see you guys. Uh, hi, those uh, at home uh, watching wherever you are. Kia ora, welcome to Cornerstone. My name is Andre, and uh, along with a great team, uh, we lead Cornerstone Church, Rolleston. Hey, the other thing I want to acknowledge is that it's Mother's Day. And I'm very mindful of the fact that for at least a few people that I'm aware of, uh, this Mother's Day might be a particularly hard one. And I'm aware that a lot of people might struggle with Mother's Day and Father's Day for different reasons. Perhaps you've lost your mum. Perhaps you haven't been able to be a mum. Perhaps this is your first Mother's Day without your mum. I'm not sure. But I just want to say, as we kind of walk and talk through what we're going to talk about today, we're going to do that gently, uh, and we acknowledge that sometimes Mother's Day can be a difficult time for everybody. Is that cool? And uh, if you're talking to someone who's struggling on Mother's Day, uh, give them a pat and uh, encourage them, and um, yeah, just uh, journey along with them. All right. Hey, uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to talk sort of about mums. I'm going to bring mums up a lot, but this message isn't strictly about uh, Mother's Day per se. Uh, It's got a few other bits and pieces going on. Hey, I'm going to read a Bible verse myself, and uh, we're going to start from there. This, um, This, if you're taking notes, I always encourage you to take notes because there's some tips and there's some thoughts and there's some scriptures. So if you're taking notes, feel free to take notes. This uh, sermon today is all about love. All you need is love. Good commitment, mostly to uh, Mike and Matt. Well done. Um, And we're going to talk a lot about love today. Um, And this sermon title, if I can turn this on. Ah, I've got to turn it on. There we go. All right. Um, Is called... Love in action. And when I was thinking about doing a message on Mother's Day, I thought, goodness me, I don't know if you could think of a better example of love in action than our mums. Um, Because how many people know that there's a lot of action having to go on when you've got kids and multiple spaces and places and you're trying to get everybody everywhere they need to be? There's a lot happening. And uh, I I think mums are amazing. And so we're going to talk a little bit about mums, but mostly about love in a few different ways. Our key Bible verse this morning, if you're following along, is uh, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Let me read. If I can find it. 37. Okay. I will actually go from 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment uh, in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the one that we're going to focus a wee bit on today, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor... As yourself, all the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. God, um, Jesus says three things here. He says, love God, love yourself, and love people. Love God, love others, and love yourself. Yourself is implied, right? Because he said, love others as you love yourself. So God's plan God's desire and God's thought about us is that we would value and love ourselves as well in that mix of things. 
Love God. I want to talk a moment about that, about loving God. Some of you might be sitting there being like, you don't need to talk about loving God. God is easy to love. God, it's easy for me to get my head around loving God. Some of you might be saying, I really don't know what you mean when you say love God. Who is God? What's his nature and character? I want to just take three little thoughts about how that we can get closer to God in our relationship with God. The first one is surrender. We need to learn as uh, believers or people who want to be in relationship with God to surrender our lives. So God is both our Savior, but He's also our Lord. And we surrender our lives to Him. Because if you've been journeying in your Christian walk for a while, you'll know that uh, God has a plan, right? God knows His ways. His ways are greater than our ways. I would rather God be in control than me in control. All right, so the first thing is we need to surrender. But here's the thing. Surrender implies one time. When in fact, it's really we need to be surrendering daily to God. If you want to be in relationship with God, if you want to be uh, loving, you know, he says, love God, love others and love yourself. We have to first position ourselves with an ability to surrender to God. And I know I get the opportunity to sit with some of you and talk about uh, your lives, and I won't look at anyone in particular. I'll just look down here. But often I'm talking to people, and I realize that they have not brought God into the equation in any way. They've not really thought or prayed or considered what God wants to do in your business, in your job, in your marriage, moving, anything. And, uh, and I, I'm aware that we must surrender all of our lives to God. So that's the first one, surrendering. If you want to be closer in your relationship with God, Come into a place of surrendering. The second one is praising, praising God. We're in a funny place at the moment as um, a church building uh, project. Oh, praising. We praise God every morning at six in the morning. Praise Him in the good stuff. Praise Him in the hard stuff, but praise Him. Give God the glory, right? It positions you in a, in a place of surrender when you say, I am not the master and commander of my own little universe but God is. Get used to praising Him. Open up your, your, your mouth and letting words out that just say, God, you're good. I trust you and you are faithful. The other thing is investing. If you want a relationship with God, we have to invest and grow and put time into that relationship. Okay, two parts to do today's sermon. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not 100% sure we're going to get to both parts, but Next week, I'm preaching as well, so I can move stuff along, and if we have to, this might become an impromptu two-part series. We'll see how we go. Right, we are loving in. So if we've talked about loving God, there were two other parts to that sermon. Loving self, which is an interesting thing to be talking about, and loving in community, loving others. Great day to talk about it, because we're about to go into our community and bless them. And I am sort of talking about that, but I'm mostly talking about you. Church community, the brothers and sisters, the brethren, the saints, whatever you want to, language you want to use. This church, Cornerstone, and Christians in general, community. All right. <clears throat> Loving self. Psalm 139.14 says this. I praise you, there's that praise, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You, your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Interesting. 
you are fearfully and wonderfully made. It is not cool. It's not currently culturally hip to be loving yourself, right? It's better to be pulling yourself apart. It's, it's, it, it looks cooler. And Kiwis, we're pretty bad at this. We like to, to chop people. What's the uh, tall poppy syndrome? We like to t- chop the tall poppies down. I'm not really talking about loving yourself in front of others. I'm talking about your deep internal dialogue with your own spirit. Pastor Mike last week talked about his heart, the spirit connection with your head. Do you remember that? Anyone else want to rip the thing off the side of his head all the way through the sermon? Just his son-in-law. Okay, all right. Loving yourself is really important, biblically. Because there's a value attached. See, at its very core, love, love is just the, is the sign of value of something. You love your car. You love your dog. It is valuable to you. You love your wife. They are valuable to you. Love is value shown. We are worthy of his love, not just because of, uh, sorry, not because of what we do, but because what he has done. We are worthy, not because anything that we can do, you can't become righteous in your own strength. It's through Christ. But God so values you. God designed us for relationship. God designed us for community. God has designed you um, to be a part of something bigger. Our value actually comes from God. You are awesome. You are important. See, loving yourself is not just about accepting everything, but rather seeing ourselves from God's perspective. You know, if you, you may not know the prodigal son story, but here's a story that Jesus tells about a, a dad, in this case, where a son went away and he did all the rubbish and the crud, and you've probably heard the story, and he came back. And the father scolded him and told him off and told him, you know, that you've got to go through these 11 different things to be in relationship with me. Not. You're like, "Uh uh-oh, the pastor's lost his mind. (laughs) Someone take the microphone. That's not what happened. He runs. God runs to him and puts the value things of the day back on him. And says, you are valuable. Here's the golden ring. Here's the thing. Here's the Nike shoes. Whatever it is. There's a value given to the son again. You know, um, I've got kids. And uh, I just think they're the bee's knees. And I just think they're so cool. I always just keep imagining what they're going to do because they're so cool. And in my mind, they're going to do these amazing things. And you know, maybe they will do different amazing things than my expectation. But as a dad, I can see that they are just fantastic. And if you are a parent here today, you've probably experienced that yourself. At times, especially when they're young, you just look at them and you're like, man, the whole world is your oyster. You are fearfully, wonderfully made. I, I can't wait to see what God is going to do with you. You are awesome. You've got all the ability in the world. I look at my sons and I'm like, what is God going to do with you guys? You guys are crazy. It's exciting. You know, God in the Bible says quite a lot about us. 
If God values you, who are you to not value you? If God died on the cross for you, are you not valuable? Man, too often we rip ourselves apart and rip down our own thinking. Uh, with our thinking, we rip down ourselves and we pull ourselves apart. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later. But God is for you. You are fearfully, wonderfully made. And He loves you so much, He wrote a bunch of stuff about you. Do you guys want to hear some of that stuff? Can I have my lovely volunteers, please? Come on up. Oh, look at this. I prepared something earlier. Where's Mrs. Mack? We'll have you here. Margaret, Margaret down there. Firstly, look at this cool bunch of mums. Let's give them a huge round of applause. We love them. All right. They're all counting to make sure they're in order because they need to be. All right. Oh, you're going to need this. All right. I have asked these ladies to share some scripture about what God has done will do, is doing for you and uh, what he thinks of you. Okay? You're right there, mum. She needs her glasses. There we go. I better forgive her on Mother's Day. All right. Here you go. Right. This first one is, if you're taking notes, from Isaiah chapter 41, second part of verse 9 and verse 10, and it's God speaking to his people. And he says, you are my servant. I have chosen you. I have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That was 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And that is John 3, verse 16. But if we confess our sins to him, he can be depended on to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. And it is perfectly proper for God to do this for us because Christ died to wash away our sins. For I am convinced that neither death nor love, nor angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, for any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation, 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I heard a loud voice from the, fr- from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. They will be, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Second Timothy 1.7 says, for the, spirit of God, the, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Your eyes saw my substance, being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Amen. Give these ladies a round of applause. Thank you. Sorry I messed up some of the words. I don't know what happened. (laughs) Well done. If God is for you, who can be against you? You just heard 12 people talk about 12 scriptures about what God says about who you are and the value that he holds in you. We have a loose child. Run, buddy, run. She's coming. All right, I'll get Hannah. Hannah, can you pop up here for me, please? I'm aware that people... um, struggle with themselves and struggle with where they're at and struggle with their mental health and struggle with the mind and what it says about us. But here's the thing. One moment, please. What's this? It's a mirror. Hannah, what do you see? I see me. She sees herself. This is how God sees her. Without blemish, the way that she was created, and really beautiful. (laughs) Wait, that's me. That's not God. Yeah, clarify that. Okay. But, you know what sometimes happens? Can you hold that for me, please? And I look at myself, and sometimes I think to myself, well, there's rubbish, and there's crud, and you don't know exactly what I have been through. Those on love. And sometimes we take a hammer to it. But let's swap that one out because this one's got some sellotape on it. Sometimes life comes along. I don't know if this is going to 100% work. We'll see. You might have to try and support it in the middle, Hannah. Oh, it cracked. Good. Okay, it's not cracking very well. This is why I've got a plan B. Hannah, swap that one out for me. Thank you. I think when you buy the cheapest mirrors, they're not actually like the proper, I think it's plastic. But I figured that out halfway. We don't need our glasses for this one. But sometimes what happens is this. 
for whatever reason you might think that you are unworthy. You might think that you're ugly, despised. There's no value. You might think that you're a bad parent. You might think that no one loves you. All of a sudden, this negative stuff comes into your life. You're thinking about it. Everybody else goes, look at that pretty mirror. Now, what happens when someone, when you look at yourself now? Can I have that back, please? Hannah, what do you see? Rubbish. Can you see your own reflection as well as you did before? No. What is the first thing that you see? The words. Thank you. Grab a seat. This is not who you are. And often we are our worst critic of ourselves. If you only knew what I think and you'd see that. And I was hoping there would be broken glass and it would be super dramatic. But it's okay. It's probably best. Some of you looked very concerned that the one-eyed pastor had a hammer and glass. Okay. So God loves you. You are valuable. You are worthy of his love and you are, you are, it's okay to hold a value on yourself. Love is an expression of value. Let me ask you a question. If we can agree that the Bible says that you are valuable and that you can love yourself and that you're not, yes, there's rubbish and there's crud and there's sin and there's stuff that you will deal with, a thousand percent, never going to say not. But what I'm talking about is innate value, that you're worthy of God's love. If we can agree that that is what the Bible says, and that's God's view, and if you think I'm not these things and I don't have an innate value, who do you think it is that's trying to convince you of that? It isn't God. So maybe we can acknowledge today for some of us that, hey, if I've got some really bad stuff, this is really not what God has for me. And guess what? That's reversible. We can wipe that off. That was whiteboard marker. That's real. I could sneeze at that and that would fall off. We can, get, we can, we can figure that out. <laughs> Love doesn't just presume. Love shows. I do marriage counseling and pre-marriage counseling. It's one of my first things. How does your spouse know that you love them? Well, I don't know. Uh, I married her? <laughs> cool, cool. What do you do to show love? Uh. <laughs> love doesn't just presume, love shows. Love, a true genuine love, is love in action. There's a verb part of it, there's a doing. Love shows by your words and by your actions. Self-love and action looks like forgiving. It looks like valuing. It looks like surrendering. And it looks like growing. 
others' love for you, by the way, should never be the fuel that feeds your fire. Because the moment you can only survive and live if other people love you and other people show you value, what happens? The moment they don't, you won't. It's like a cherry on the top. It's nice when people value you. It's nice when people go, you're cool. But we shouldn't use it as the fuel to fuel our lives. That comes from God alone. Love the Lord your God and love Him. And then you'll love your, then we are called to love others as we love ourselves. One of the blockages to truly uh, loving ourselves is self unforgiveness. You know, mums want us to be whole. You know, you mums out there, you want your kids to be the best and strongest they could possibly be, right? I mean, how many people would agree that they would like their kids to be better than even you are? And whatever better means, you know, closer to God and, and living and following after his dreams. Is, is that everybody here? You know, you're there, you go, I want my kids to take it even further than I have. Well, God wants that for you too. But you know what one of the blockages is, is unforgiveness. You've done stuff, I've done stuff, and uh, it's blocked. You just can't look. You've written on your mirror, your own reflection, what that thing you did to your kids, and you can't move past it. You can no longer see the beautiful creation because it's just this ugly writing on it. Can I ask everybody to stand, please? And we are about to talk about doing love and community. All right, don't get excited. I'm not quite finishing yet. Some of you are like, excellent, we're getting bickies early today. No. <clears throat> we're going to do another thing later as well. But I wanted those people that feel like there's a space where you feel like I need forgiveness from the Lord. Maybe it was unintentional, but there's something, there's a gap, there's a writing on the reflection of your relationship with your kids or maybe someone else. And I wanted you to you know, this is about action. And I thought, well, I could get people to stand up, but that's a lot scarier than it is to sit down. So this is my gentle approach. If you right now feel like, you know what, there is some stuff that I need God to forgive me for, and don't be embarrassed with every eye closed. If you are one of those people, I would encourage you to take action. Just sit down when I, when I tell you to. And when you sit down, no one's going to be paying too much attention. But if you know someone has sat down close to you, you could just gently put out their hand and I'm going to pray. And we're just going to say, God, would you work in the lives of this person? Would you forgive them? Would you help them move on? There's an acknowledgement. There's power in acknowledgement. So just with every eye closed, if you're struggling with unforgiveness, perhaps a kid, perhaps parents even, just with eyes closed, would you gently take a seat now? Thank you. Grab a seat. Good work. Okay. And if you're aware that someone has sat down, and if it's okay, just those people around them, just have a quickly open your eyes and have a quick look to see if there's someone sitting. And if there is, I'm going to pray right now. And if you just give them a little heads up, just touch them on the shoulder right now. Let's all pray together. I'll pray in words and you can just pray in your mind. Father, we thank you that you are a God that loves. Lord, you are a God that redeems, restores, renews. Father, we thank you that relationships can 
do and will be fixed in the name of Jesus. Whether they were intentional or not, Lord, we ask for forgiveness. Lord, let your mercies flow like a river on the person that was offended or upset or hurt and the people sitting down today. Father, we thank you for your goodness that you are mighty to save relationships, mighty to save and restore all connections with those people around us. In your mighty name, Jesus, we ask that you do a miracle in the hearts of everybody. Father, I thank you for those who are brave and bold to take a seat right now and to acknowledge that there might be an area that they need your just forgiveness in. Father, whoever is on the other side of that unforgiveness, Lord, do what only you can do, we ask. In your name, amen. Grab a seat. All right, let's move on. You're allowed to forgive yourself. Sometimes we wear it as a badge. You know, I hurt this person's... Yes, you may have, but you are allowed to forgive yourself. It's part of the forgiveness process. Right? Loving in community. We're going to go for it. You won't get the second version next week. 1 Peter 4.8 says this about loving in community. Remember, the love of the Lord your God. We talked about that. And now we're going to be talking about love your neighbor. What does loving in community look like? And then we've just talked about love yourself. I just didn't feel like we could do loving in community without acknowledging there's a self-love first. I don't know if you can do loving in community without the bedrock of loving God first and having some ability and recognition that, hey, God made me fearfully, wonderfully awesome. And there might be times when I'm not doing a good job, but there's a value in me. And loving in community. Here we go. A few Bible verses for us. First Peter 4, 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. We need that, Jesus. Romans 13. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For one another who lives, another has fulfilled the law. Loves, not lives. <laughs> First Corinthians. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of all is love. Proverbs. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers a multitude of offenses. Amen? Don't let offense come in in the community. Don't let offense come in. That is the enemy's number one tool to wreck and destroy churches. Is offense. When we put our preferences ahead of God's precedences. Don't put your preferences first. First John, beloved, if God has so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Loving in community will put others first. I remember my stepdad, who's now passed, I got saved and it was about 18 months or maybe two years after I got saved and I was back in Hamilton and he said to me, he was talking to me about my life because I was going to church and I even gave money to the church. How crazy and obscure and weird was that? wasn't much. I was a poor student. But I remember him saying, Andre, you've got to look after number one. Don't worry about anyone else. You've got to look after yourself. And I was 18, young, very inexperienced. And I turned around. And has anyone ever had this where you have a moment, you have like a God moment where you speak God's words? 
and it's awesome, and the sun comes in from the west, and your hair's flattering in the wind, a rainbow across your face, and you're like, huh, and I go, I have every single one of my friends' backs in church, every single one of them, and do you know what? Every single one of them has my back. I'm not, there's not one person looking after me. There's a community of people. And he looked at me all puzzled and then wondered why there was a rainbow on my forehead <laughs> coming in from the sky. We are made for community. We are made for connection. We are made for relationships. Loving and community, <clears throat> we have to put others first, often above our own comfort and what's uh, normal. There's a valuing in living in community. You know, one of the things that we can do today about valuing community, could I please have, Sean, would you be able to pop into Kids Church over there and just let them know that Dre's ready? She'll know what that means. Um, Kendall in the blue shirt. Um, We are going to pray very shortly for our mums. We are a community of believers And I would love, and we did this a couple of years ago, and it was super impactful and powerful. We're going to pray for the mums in our room. Now, if um, if you're a lady that um, is like an auntie, you're a grandmother to to some people, um, you're kind of like that adopted auntie, feel free to join in. This is open to all ladies. Um, And what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And the men and the kids, we're going to pray for these women. We're going to declare God's goodness over them. Now, some of you are going, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to pray for a stranger. What I'd like you to do, unless you're super confident, is to perhaps go with another guy or some kids or grab your kids. Um, And we're just going to keep it very brief. Don't prophesy weird things over people. Just letting you know. Um, And we're just going to pray and we're going to declare because this is community, right? So can we have uh, everybody stand? Different is okay. Different's okay. So just while we have some music on in the background, because music always makes things less awkward, um, what we're going to do is men and kids are going to kind of gravitate to the middle aisles, and the women, the the mums, we're going to do a big circle around all of the chairs, and you can have a meter space between you. You've got 30 seconds. To figure, and we're not, you remember when you go to primary school and they're like standing in a straight line and it's like someone asked you to build a Russian submarine? Uh, we're not going to do that today. We're going to figure it out very quickly. Lady, oh, look at these ones. Ladies on the outside in a circle facing in. Dads and kids in the middle. Awesome. Now, if you're brave, find someone you don't know and say, do you want to be my prayer buddy? Okay, look at these amazing women, grandmothers, aunties. And if you don't have kids and you don't want to stand, join the prayers in the middle if you'd like. That's totally up to you. There's no wrong way to do this. All right, men and kids, let's just keep it quick. Let's keep it simple, but to clear over them, pray they'd have a great Mother's Day. Introduce yourself. And uh, let's go. I know it's a bit nerve-wracking, but everything is going to be okay. Right, we've got two minutes. Once you've, You might have to go to a few mums, okay? Here we go. Let's go. If you've been prayed for, grab a seat. 
Just those who haven't been prayed for still standing. Thank you, men. Make sure you get around them. Pray for them. Great. Okay, grabbing a seat. Right, let's grab a seat. Loving in community is God's plan. If we had lots of time, which we don't because I made you do lots of stuff today, um, I would give you a bunch of scriptures about how loving in community is God's plan for us. We were built and designed for community. Here's a few thoughts about loving in community as a church. Second one is it's not individualistic in nature. So often, and especially now in modern society, it's all about me, how I get the stuff I want. But communal living together and growing together and walking in God is much bigger than that. There's sometimes a bit of a sacrifice of the self for the greater good. Community, loving in community is not individualistic. It's corporate. It's sacrificial. It's sacrificial living in community. Again, I have Bible verses for these, but we'll grab them later. Being in community is being present. Not presence, though sometimes we get presence. It's hard to be a part of a church or a community or a group of believers when you're not in the room. It's really basic, but there's a requirement to be present. I don't know if you've ever been in those family environments and one person's not there, it feels weird. And here's something really deep, really deep that I learned from COVID and lockdowns. Are you ready? This is going to blow your mind. It's really hard stuff to follow, okay? Here we go. When you're disconnected from people, in that case it was for COVID, when you're disconnected from people, wait for it, you feel disconnected. Whoa. I'm not joking. Sometimes we didn't see it for what it was. When you are disconnected, you feel disconnected. I remember at the time talking to someone and he rang me and he said, hey, I feel like there's an issue between us because we're not connecting. And I was like, well, we spoke on the phone twice last week, spoke on the phone the, uh, once the week before. It was week three. And he said, I'm just feeling super disconnected from you. Do we have any issues? And I said, dude, we have no issues at all. We just haven't seen each other because we're in lockdown level four, buddy. And he's like, but I feel disconnected from you. And I was like, because we haven't been connecting in person. There's power in connecting and being present. Come to stuff, be involved, go to a connect group. There's power in being together. Um, How many people know this? Loving and community can be messy. Amen. It can be awkward and difficult. And messy church is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. It means there's people that are working on their stuff in the house of the Lord. And the last point I want to make on this is living in community is totally worth it. What I mean when I say living in community is just connected. Don't worry, we're not going to go buy a plot of land and we all live on it and we're not going to do that. Don't worry. But it means this connectedness over something. And guess what? It's not just on a Sunday. Monday to Saturday. 
Do you know one of my favorite things in all of the world is, since I've been a pastor, is going to meet with people and having a coffee or going into town, and I see you guys having coffees with each other. And you always look a little bit startled, like you're not meant to be doing it or something. You're like, oh, we didn't invite the pastor. Uh." And I'm like, hey, guys, how's it going? And they're like, oh, would you like to sit down? I'm like, no, it's good. It is good that you spend time together. Do that. That is fantastic. People go away together. That's great. Do that. That's community. It's awesome. All right, a few tips because we are chunking out of time. Practical tips for loving in community. If you've got your phone, write these down. They're very simple, and then we're going to finish up. It's the eight eyes of living in community. Yes, I found eight of them. Number one, we need to identify where there is a need. We need to identify if there's a person that's struggling. If you want to live in community, identify that you might be struggling, and you might need to put your hand up and ask for help. Who loves asking for help? Yeah, I thought so. It's okay to ask for help. The second one is to invite. A thriving, growing, healthy church should have a spirit of invitation on it. Invite people around for a pray. Invite people around to watch the rugby. Invite people around to go for a walk with your dogs, whatever it is. But we should have a, a, a congregation that wants to invite people. Sunday afternoons is a great time to go around and eat together. These are things to help, because I don't know about you. I've talked about this. I'm a little bit of an introvert. You've got two pastors in Cornerstone. One of them is the fluffy, bouncy, all around, makes everybody feel like a million dollars, and I'm always a little bit socially awkward. Like, do we shake or do we, do we hug? Or do I put my elbow awkwardly in your eye when we do both? I don't know. I'm a little awkward sometimes, so sorry. But I'm working on it. But this is to help us. If you feel a little bit awkward, you could write down these eight eyes and go, okay, I could do that. I could be part of the community. I could invest in the community. One thing I want to say is when you're not investing in the community, do you know what that means? There's a chink in the armor. There's a, there's a chain that's broken. You have something on your life for others to help them. It's not just about you. This is my whole thing. Love and action is about loving others. All right, we must illustrate God's love to other people. That could be generosity, that could be invitation, it could be a number of things, but we must illustrate to others where God is in things. I think this is six. It's really helpful to introduce people. Hey, Brian, no, Gertrude and Horatio, why don't you guys come around to my place for lunch and we can see if we can make this thing a thing. Introduce. Introduce people. Think about when you're a new person and you're in a group of people. Just love people. Introduce yourselves. That can be really brave. I remember we've gone to pastor's things and I've been there like five or six times. Lyndon's never been there at all. I walk into the environment and I know like half the people. I'm like, oh, it's 50% people I don't know. Oh, that's the cue for my wife to get down. Okay. (laughs) Um, And... I walk into the room and I'm like, oh my gosh. And Lyndon comes in and he's like, g'day, how's it going? I'm Lyndon. Hey, hey, how's it going? He's awesome at it. Thank you for that gift. We must illuminate God's love. And we impart something of God's love on others. 
when we're part of community, we should actually improve the community. It's an adding to. It's not just the taking away. Not here. But at other churches, I've seen people that just take, 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 take and take. But actually, when you're part of something, not just a Sunday club, you add. Hey, let's, um, are we doing a song? Or we're not? No. Okay. Put your stand to your feet and I'll, can I close it? Is that okay? Father, we just want to thank you that you're good, that you're doing something. There's an action to love. Lord, that there is love in action. Father, we pray for those who have needed forgiveness today. Father, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for the mums. We pray that today would be less active than other days. And there'd be naps and cups of teas and enjoyable times this afternoon, maybe family dinners, family lunches. And again, we lift up those who might be struggling today. This is a great sermon for those who are struggling today. Invite those people in. Invite yourself in. Father, we just give you glory and honor and praise. In your mighty name, amen.